This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Grant and Danny. Danny doesn't have a voice, so today it's just Grant. You are listening to The Fan. Thank you for making the show part of your day. Taking you up to 6.30 all over D.C., and we got to welcome in our Richmond audience with us for the next three hours as well. The Caps are idle again today. They are back in action at home finally tomorrow against the Devils, 7 p.m. start time at Capital One Arena. Center Nick Dowd will join us coming up in one hour at 4 o'clock, and at that time, I'm giving away a four-pack of Caps tickets. you got to be listening right here on The Fan. Let's get to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Our buddy Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus joins us. Brad, great to have you back on the show. How are you? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I always love talking ball with you, but especially on a day like today, there's a lot of numbers flying around, a lot of cap ramifications. That was your expertise when you were working on the team side. There's plenty to dive into. Uh, Let's start, though, with Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be a Jet? It's starting to look that way. I think the biggest tell so far out of all the things that have happened is when you see a team let their player under contract have conversations with another team directly, not via their agent, not you know, but have you know the Jets fly out in a, in a private jet to California. It says a lot. I think it's a big deal, and I think it is a signal of Green Bay kind of nudging him like, hey, you know, you should go somewhere else. We want to start the Jordan Love era and reset the clock here. So you, it sounds like, agree with me. My take is the Packers telling him go talk to the Jets is all we need to know. I mean, they are over this. They are done. They would like him to leave. Is that overstated? I think to a degree that that is the only thing you can take away from this. So, you know, maybe it's not as fractured as some reports have been, but it's definitely not a healthy, great place because, you know, this is a big step. This is not something you take lightly at all. Um, And I think you do say in the back of your mind, you know, I hope they blow him away. I hope they find a way to work through this financially or whatever he needs um, because we kind of want this to happen. If the Jets-Rogers courtship doesn't work out, then what? This feels like a tough amount of toothpaste to put back in the tube in Green Bay. That's the thing is financially there's no way they can get out of this, right? They can't, you know, cut him. They would take on this gigantic dead cap hit. So, you know, if he wants to stay and doesn't want to retire, they have to just make it work. They have to just exercise his option bonus, prorate it, and make it work. Uh, you know, so he kind of he has all the leverage as, as he loves to do, um, and I'm sure he's wielding that as much as he can. The Jets don't really have money right now, and the cap is fluid, and they can always kind of work around that. But how would they make a Rodgers deal work? I can't imagine he would become a Jet on his current deal. 
So what they would have to do, so first they can clear some money, you know, pretty quickly with some restructures on guys like DJ Reed and Jonathan Myers. They could cut Corey Davis and save $10.5 million. And right there, you're pretty flexible. But the thing still with Rodgers, and I'm guessing this is part of the conversation, and I'm promised I'm not trying to get too into the weeds on contracts, but essentially what they would do is they would move some of the money he's owed in 2023 into a roster bonus for 2024. But as soon as he gets on the Jets, they would then convert that roster bonus into a signing bonus and give him all that cash, you know, again, up front. So he would still get the same cash payout, but they would make it so they can absorb him on the cap in 2023 and then prorate a bunch of money and spread those cap hits out and make it more flexible. Brad Spielberg's, Spielberger is smart. You see why I like having him on G&D. He's done this on the team side, working in the NFL. He's with PFF now. If they add Aaron Rodgers, how good are the Jets? I think they're pretty darn good. I mean, the AFC is obviously loaded. The division itself has Buffalo. You know, Miami's a solid team. The Patriots are always going to be relevant with Bill Belichick. But you look at last year, I mean, some of the worst quarterback play in the entire NFL. We had Zach Wilson as a below replacement level player. Mike White, maybe at replacement level, maybe slightly above. I think he had some good games here and there, actually against Buffalo before he got hurt. Thought he played well. But, but you add in Aaron Rodgers with a talented young defense, with those young weapons that should take another step, with an actual quarterback, I mean, Garrett Wilson could have 1,500 yards for all we know. I think they're like a 12-13 win team and a potential contender if everything goes right and gels together. Another big story yesterday in New York was that the Giants beat the clock. They did not tag Daniel Jones. They didn't need to. They got a long-term four-year deal done with him, and they are able to tag Saquon Barkley. What was your reaction? You know, once it seemed like there was, you know, gravity towards the deal getting done with Daniel Jones, I thought it would. They clearly wanted to get something done. You know, I know everyone throws these numbers around of, oh, you should sign for 30, sign for 35. That's just not really how the NFL works. I always figured 40 was kind of, not the floor, but kind of the number where it had to start with a four. And so if you're the Giants, I personally would have franchise tagged them and said, hey, go prove it to me again. If you repeat last year or frankly do a little bit better, I'll give you that long multi-year deal. But long story short, it's a solid deal for both parties. Jones gets some solid cash in the early years. The first two years gets about $84 million in cash. And then, um, you know, in year three, if the Giants wanted to get out, they can. Um, So so it's not a terrible deal for either side. All right, so help me, because I spent a lot of time yesterday trying to to do this, and I, I just can't do it as eloquently as you. For the people that just can't wrap their head around Daniel Jones, and basically three years at $37 million and he's not that good, and how could you, what would you say? So here's the thing. For every big deal like this, the way the conversation genuinely starts, if you want to know how every deal across the NFL starts, is you say this, okay, what is the value of two franchise tags, and let's start there. And so the foundation there with Daniel Jones would be about $32.5 million this year, and then the second tag would have been just under $39 million. So about $71.5 million. So right there, you're already at $36 million per year over two years. So that is an artificial but kind of a real floor. And then you say, Jones, okay, I'll give you two more years of cost control. You're going to have to bump that up to, you know, at least 40 And like you said, a very good point. It's really 37 dollars per year over the first three years. So basically he got two franchise tags, but a little bit more cash flow early on, some more guarantees, of course, and assurances. And then in year three, either they give him another kind of flat money or they cut him and take a little bit of dead cap. So I want to go back to your point that you would have tagged him a second time and kind of made him prove it again. 
which that's a reasonable take, right? You're a sharp dude. You know how this works. My rebuttal would be you lose Saquon Barkley. This is a team with no weapons, and they just lost their best weapon. You also have less money to spend now this year to go get him weapons. When you just lost your best weapon, they saved a bunch of money this year by doing it this way. And then also, and maybe this part you can fill me in on, I'm not sure you're really saving a whole lot of money in the long run doing it that way. You're just pushing the payment back, and I don't want to say hoping he fails, but like that's the best outcome other than spending more, losing Barkley, and not having as many weapons right away. So that is the thing. So first on the cap, of course, it would be tough for them to then add you know, talent around him if they had this monster cap hit. Now Barkley's franchise tag and Daniel Jones' first-year cap hit are less than what just Daniel Jones' cap hit would have been by himself. But I would say, A, you know, the cap is not a reason why you pay a guy a bunch of money. To the second point of, you know, you are delaying it. That I agree in most cases. For example, the Dallas Cowboys were so dumb to franchise tag Dak Prescott twice. You knew he was the guy. You knew he was good enough. He'd shown a heck of a lot more than Daniel Jones has. And you could have signed him for a similar deal to what Jared Goff and Carson Wentz guys in his draft class got after their third season, right around $32, $33 million a year, he probably would have taken that deal. Instead, you tag him twice, and then you give him $40 million a year, the biggest signing bonus still in NFL history. That You do want to avoid that in general. I'm just not sure. I personally see enough from Daniel Jones, but they clearly have. And so then, if you think you've seen enough, you're probably smart to go this route. So, And I think that makes a lot of sense. Brad Spielberger of PFF here on Grant and Danny. Which really, the the argument then is, where's the bar, right? So, like, the bar of this guy needs to be paid or tagged because when you're in the tag conversation like they were, as you said, now I've got a floor. It's two tags. This would have been $36 million for one year, $72 million over two years. You're paying him at least that. You you agree that he was over that bar. You agree that he was a taggable guy. But I guess I'm curious – for your expertise on where is that bar? Like, is he the new bar? Because they're, if you're a little worse than Daniel Jones, like, you can't get tagged, right? I mean, so, you see, Gino had one year, gets paid. I, I guess I'm uh, that, that bar is always moving, but I'm trying to figure out where it is now. No, it's tough. I think he is kind of a barometer of sorts. Maybe there's maybe the Daniel Jones line um, and, and the over-under. I think, look, also – Yes, the on-field matters a ton. Yes, you can definitely say, you know, his weapons stunk this past year. He's never had a good offensive line. They were solid this year. Um, You know, he's had different play callers. Joe Judge was an awful coach. All these things that you can point to. And I know all the cliches. He's a first guy in, last guy out guy. You know, yada, yada, yada. That stuff does matter. But, um, you know, for me, it's like, you know, he threw 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. That's the best year of his career. Um, He averaged six and a half yards per attempt, which is a pedestrian number. Yes, the running numbers were great, but you know, we talk all the time about, you know, not wanting to pay running quarterbacks. Not that he's only a runner, but, I mean, he had 3,200 passing yards. So, I think he's a good player. I think he's a great player. Um, I, I do. It does come back to, like, if you think he's there, you might as well pay him. Because, look, now if he does take that step, like you said, if you tag him and he took a big step, then you're paying him 45 or whatever. Plus, instead, you kind of lock in a deal that when you dive into the numbers, the fourth year is artificially inflating it, all those things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a tough question to say exactly where is the bar, but I think he is kind of like right on that line of he's a player below or above him, you know, might be in different situations. Over the last couple of years, another guy whose passing totals have been unimpressive, but they don't really tell the story, is Lamar Jackson. And the narrative around him is obviously very different because he's 
a lot better than Daniel Jones. He won an MVP award, albeit way back in 2019. What do you think is going on with him right now? Yeah, and he did also, you know, lead the NFL in touchdown passes in that 2019 season. So, you know, never going to be a 5,000-yard guy. But, um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or, or say anything that's going to, you know, offend any NFL teams or anything like that. But my honest take of the situation is, you know, they don't want to make this fully guaranteed contract that Sean Watson got a precedent, and they're comfortable, you know, a half dozen teams coming out yesterday within an hour. I've never seen it before in my entire life saying we're not even going to call the guy and at least hear him out and hear what he wants and have a conversation and go through the situation. Um, you know, and I think also he doesn't have an agent, and I think teams don't really like that either. If he had a big power broker agent, maybe no one signs to an offer sheet, but there's no chance any of those teams come out yesterday and say, we're not even going to talk to him, we're not interested. There is no chance whatsoever because it kind of burns a bridge. It ru- or tarnishes a relationship with an agent they probably do a lot of business with. So, I, I think it stinks a little bit. I think it's a little bit dirty. Um, I, I, at this point, my bet is he plays in 2023 on the franchise tag. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think that's, that's the most likely outcome. So there's a few follow-ups there. The first thing is the idea of not having an agent. We talked a lot about this last hour. That was not something I brought up as possibly being a problem here. Why do you think that would affect how teams want to deal with him? So for the first part, I know the conversations between him have just been very difficult. Um, so from a pure negotiation standpoint, it sounds like, you know, the Ravens come up with an offer, they go through all this stuff, and, and Lamar basically just says, like, does it have Deshaun Watson's full guarantees? If no, then I don't care, right? So so that's the first the hard part is, you know, you talk to agents, cl- client management, or client expectation management, excuse me, is probably the hardest part of their job, or, or, or one of them, and explaining the structure and how everything works. But the second point, the more the reason why I mentioned the agent thing, and this doesn't really have to do with his money he's going to earn, but just the optics and the way people talk about him. For all, like I said, you had team websites, literally like the Atlanta Falcons report came from the team reporters saying the Atlanta Falcons are not going to pursue Lamar Jackson, which is insane. They have the second most cap space in the NFL. Desmond Ritter is a fine player. I think he's a good player, but he's not a great player. He's not Lamar Jackson. Two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson when you saw Watson go for three, when Russell Wilson got two first, two seconds, and three players. Two, two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson is a bargain. Um, I, I just think if he had an agent, it would, A, help him kind of work through what the contract looks like, why teams do not want to go fully guaranteed, and, B, that the other teams would not be so – you know, you know, kind of overt with what they said yesterday. So that's a great insight from Brad Spielberger. So you didn't use the big bad C word, right? A lot of people are, which is collusion. But the idea you have, which a lot of us have, and I think is completely fair, is that the owners don't want to do the Deshaun Watson deal. They, they don't want to do this. Like, maybe we'll do the two-year full guarantee, that the, the Kirk Cousins 17% of the cap, you know, over three-year guarantee. But the 23 24% of the cap, uh, for five years when that money can't be moved around and you're just going to make it eventually, we're not going to play that game. And it kind of reminds me of an old Ricky Gervais line where you know he, he uh, at one point said someone told him they were offended by a joke, and he said, okay. And? And, and? and so my point is, yeah, the owners probably don't want that. And right now the guys with the most guaranteed money are Deshaun Watson, and that contract looks awful. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals would get out of that. Russell Wilson and the Broncos would get out of that. And Aaron Rodgers, who the Packers are trying to trade. So I guess my response to everyone being so angry is, these aren't really working for the teams. Why would they keep wanting to do them? 
Yeah, and in particular, Watson, I mean, $230 million fully guaranteed at signing. The second highest number is Aaron Rodgers at 101.5. So I know there's, there's more total guarantees for Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, but just looking at exactly what, Watson, uh, what Lamar apparently wants, which is full guarantee at signing, Watson is in his own stratosphere. And I think part of the issue here is, yes, of course, the owners don't want to do it. And it's also, look, I'm never going to you know, make excuses for billionaire owners, but there are some owners do not have the liquidity and the cash flow to deal with the escrow situation, which, again, not going to get too far into the weeds. But when you fully guarantee money in future years of contracts, you as an ownership group have to put that money aside into an escrow account to make sure the reason why it's there is it actually used to protect players in the past that, you know, before the league was a printing press of, of money-making machines, it made sure players got their money. Now it's kind of an excuse that owners use um, but look, like the Bengals with Joe Burrow, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, those owners cannot afford to do it either. You know, of course, the Broncos and, and the, the Walmart owners can do it, but some genuinely cannot. Yeah, and just to dumb this down for me, what you're saying is if you guarantee Lamar Jackson, just say, five years at $50 million, 250 you quite literally have to have $250 million setting aside. A little bit less. Uh, it's a 75% of okay. future money. So, yeah. But anyway, still, for, for Watson, for example, $157.5 million for Watson had to go into an escrow account, um, which, you know, which is insane. I mean, like I said, that's still more, more fully guaranteed money than any player has ever had by over $50 million. So, look, I am a fan of Lamar's. I think he's the most exciting player in the league to watch. He's a top 10 QB in the NFL. There's a lot of teams that should move mountains to try to get him. I am just surprised, though, by kind of how this has been talked about and how people are viewing this in that I don't think it's crazy that a team wouldn't feel good about giving him a Watson-ish deal. He has not been healthy either of the last two years. No one likes talking about the fact that, I mean, I'll just use PFF's grades, which I, I think are pretty sharp at the quarterback position. I mean, you guys have had him outside of the top 15 as a quarterback, not even as a passer, two of the last three years. He, 2019 was four years ago. The Nats won the World Series, like for people in D.C. <laughs> I, I, I've gained a lot of weight and, and, and in worse shape. You know what I mean? Like that's – those things aren't getting brought up. Everyone's just screaming through a megaphone, it's Lamar Jackson. He's 26. How could you not do this? I think there's a lot of good reasons. We also don't really know what happened at the end of last year. He had teammates calling him out saying that they thought he should be playing. I don't know if that's fair or not. But these are all actual things that these teams have to consider. No, I hear you. I, I do 100%. And, and so, like you said, I'm also I'm not surprised. I don't think anyone should be. I think the one thing for me that I just found very, very odd was why are these teams saying this right after the deadline, right? Like, why not, even if it's not true, even if you – look, the NFL loves lying to us and, and, and pretending and putting on charades. Every team, bring them to the building, say, hey, we're going to meet with Lamar Jackson. He's a special talent. We love him. Have him in and say, you know what? We could make things work. I just found it weird that they went out of their way to say we're not interested, we're not going to talk to him. Because, again, in theory, in theory, we know that Lamar Jackson is asking for $250 million fully guaranteed or whatever it is. In practice, the team technically should not know that. The Baltimore Ravens aren't calling their buddies saying, hey, here's what Lamar asked for today. Or if they are, you know, that's a problem as well. So, so I, I agree with you. But let me yeah, let me yeah, get yeah. your thoughts on this because you've worked. I mean, yeah. again, you're one of the few guys we have on the show that's kind of worked in a front office, right? Which I I love tapping into. I talked to a person with a team last night, and I kind of floated that. And their point was, look at the teams last year that got in on Watson. They almost all had to move on from their current quarterback. If the Dolphins with Tua come out yesterday 
and say they're interested, that could possibly hinder a developing relationship. Now, does it matter what Sam Howell thinks if you're Washington or, you know, Vegas isn't tied to anyone? So this doesn't work for all those teams. But there is something to be said for, you know, the Falcons ultimately had to trade Matt Ryan. Baker Mayfield won it out. Like, if you have an incumbent guy, say Tua or somebody else, are you supposed to just be raising your paddle and following this, you know, this girl to every dance and then come back afterwards and say, oh, actually, I really do like you. Like, you don't have to do that publicly. You could, you know, you could do that privately. For sure, and that is completely fair, although it's kind of funny that the Dolphins met with Deshaun Watson, literally had their owner meet with him. Um, and, and, you know, but I'm that sure was Mike when Tua stunk. Was, Right, all right. No, no. So I hear you. I hear you. No, that is entirely reasonable. But like you said, the couple teams you mentioned, you know, all due respect to Sam Howell and whatnot. But, um, you know, I hear you. That's an entirely valid point. I wouldn't be, you know, upset if a team that has a solid guy in place said, hey, we're not going to try to create drama and, and piss off our incumbent guy. Like you said, Matt Ryan was at was Indianapolis Colt last year because of that reason. There is no other reason he would have played for them last year if not for that meeting, you know, getting public. So I, I hear you. At PFF underscore Brad, you should be following him. Real quick, I want to sneak this in because you've been uh, discussing this, I know. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, what's going on? Is he getting traded, and, and what kind of deal would we be looking at there? Oh, he's definitely getting traded. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't been traded already. Uh, if he's an Arizona Cardinal by April 1st, I would be very, very surprised. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he's owed two years, about $33, $34 million over the next two years. His quote today on Pat McAfee saying that he doesn't necessarily need a new contract, I think is a massive, massive sign that we're also getting closer to a deal getting done. And I think is great news for the Arizona Cardinals because I think they'll get a second round pick and maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. I don't see a first entering the equation. Um, I look at the Julio Jones trade as a good you know, comparison, similar age, similar great player. Obviously the Titans would like to have that one back, but I think it lands in there, and I think it gets done in the next, you know, honestly, the next week or two. Wow. Good info. This is such a fun time of the year in the NFL. I mean, it is just must-see TV, must-listen radio. Brad, we will be tracking you over at PFF. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you. How about this business booming in the National Football League? Not just quarterbacks. We're dabbling into the wide receiver market and DeAndre Hopkins as well. Grant and Danny, without Danny, there was Dan Snyder news last night. Another night, another story. The Washington Post keeps on. Those printing presses don't stop, do they? Like a scene out of the newsies. Just papers coming out, baby. Dan Snyder, is he going to sell or is he not going to sell? Another development next on Grant and Danny. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.